talk about Mother's Day. My mother loves me, and my mother takes care of me also. I love her so much, and she is the best mom I ever had. I love her so much that she gives me hugs and kisses. My mom taught our entire family to value each other. At all of our uh, holidays, she'd have these family traditions that brought us closer together and we learned to value each other as individuals. My husband and I now are trying to carry on that family connectedness. And now I appreciate how intentional my mom was in that area and I love her so much for it. Um, she makes me cakes and Sometimes she lets me put on the sprinkles and she lets me put on the candles and she lets me, I don't know what else. My mom is an excellent mom in a lot of ways. She's fun, she's funny, she's compassionate, she's faithful, and she's a little bit sassy. She's nice, like she's um, good to me and she does a lot of stuff for me. And she's kind because um, she helps me read the Bible. Well, I think looking back on my mother and her impact on my life, I'd say the most significant thing she did to me when, was when I was a little boy, we were um, four kids in my family, and my mother would get uh, us all together in the living room and sit down and open up the children's Bible and read us Bible stories. And that certainly started my spiritual quest at a young age. And if I do get to heaven when that day comes, uh, I think I'll get into heaven because the door will be opened by my mother and what she did as a spiritual shepherd of our family. Um, she loves me and does pretty much everything for me in my life and does a very special thing for me. And what is that? Reading my devotional at night with me. Yes, she's, first of all, a loving mother, but the thing that really makes her special is that she showed me the Lord at a young age, brought me to the Lord, but it was through God's Word. And she loves God's Word, and she taught me to love God's Word and be a teacher of God's Word. And I would say that's the thing that makes her most special. She loves me. She makes me pizza. She has a silly voice. She reads me the Bible, she brings me to church. She gives food to me. And she gives me kisses, hugs. The biggest thing is that she's raised me in a Christian home and brought me up in the church. And I've been blessed to see her live out her faith and just be a wonderful role model, not only as a mom, but also as a wife and as a Christian woman. And I'm also very grateful for her unconditional love because I know that no matter what goes on in my life, my mom is always gonna love me and she's gonna be there through joys and sorrows and when I need to be disciplined still. and. Um, um, also, you know, anytime I need advice or wisdom from her, she's there for me. She sings, you are my sunshine, and it sounds like this. 
You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Oh, please don't take my sunshine away. Well, on this Mother's Day 2013, we want to salute our mothers. We want to honor them in keeping with the fifth of the Ten Commandments. All nine of the others make use of the negative adverb, not, but the fifth commandment is totally positive. Exodus 20, verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. And it's all about establishing and preserving families because families are the God-ordained cornerstone of our personal and emotional and spiritual well-being. Families are indeed the building blocks of the society. And if families are weakened, if families are destroyed, then everything else comes apart. And there are strong forces threatening to pull the biblical family down in our generation, and for this reason, we must identify them and push back on these influences that are causing the family to become what we're calling an endangered species. Well, today, some 85 million women will celebrate their role as mothers. But being a mother now isn't what it used to be. There are about four ways that motherhood has been affected in recent years, and I want to put these up with the understanding that these are not necessarily criticisms, merely observations. First of all, there's more of a career orientation for women, and more women are Breadwinners, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, 40% of American women are the providers for their families. That stunned me. Seems like a very high percentage. Women are increasingly focused on their careers, excelling in the workplace, or working toward financial stability before starting a family, which leads to the second item, the trend toward older motherhood. Actress Halle Berry recently announced her new pregnancy at age 46. Current reports show that we now have declining birth rates among all age groups except women above 35 years of age. The data also shows that roughly 20% of women now end their childbearing years without children because conception at a later age can pose fertility challenges for women. Thirdly, in recent years we have seen women assuming multiple roles. Today many women juggle multiple roles, including mother, businesswoman, household head, caretaker of aging parents, wife, friend, housekeeper, soccer mom. It's likely that motherhood has never been more demanding 
than it is today. And then fourthly, there are financial pressures. A prolonged recession has left many households in a deficit position. The current generation is the first to be less well-off than their parents. In recent years, plunging stocks, lost jobs, lowered real estate values, home foreclosures have pressured couples to make hard choices that impact the quality of family life. Now, according to astute social scientists, femininity has been redefined in recent years, and as a result, the family is in the process of being fundamentally altered. Do you realize that it was less than a hundred years ago that the architects of the atheist communism predicted the death of the traditional family? And socialism, communism advocated eliminating the Christian family with its emphasis on motherhood. Look at these words from Lenin, less than a hundred years ago. We must now say proudly that there is not a country in the world like Soviet Russia where women enjoy full equality, where women are not placed in the humiliating position of day-to-day family life. This is one of our most important priorities. Housework is the most unproductive, the most barbarous, and the most arduous task a woman can do. It is exceptionally petty and does not include anything that would promote the development of the woman. It's a foundation of communism, and we all know how that went. But the most disturbing thing to me about quotes like this from Lenin is that they sound strangely familiar. They sound familiar and similar to the voices today coming from the media, coming from the government, coming from education. And so this might be a common conversation in a school classroom today. The teacher asks, Sarah, what do you want to be when you grow up? Sarah says, I want to be a doctor, a heart surgeon, the teacher. How wonderful. And how about you, Emma? And Emma says, I want to be a soldier, an officer in the military, the teacher. That is so commendable. What about you, Hannah? Hannah says, when I grow up, I want to be a homemaker, a wife, and a mother. Dead silence. Take a look at this. I want to show you two pictures of the same woman. I wrote about this woman last week in my Speaking the Truth in Love blog. Her name is Brenda Heist. Eleven years ago, she dropped off her young children at school and fled. Her family thought she had been kidnapped or perhaps murdered, but last week, after more than a decade, Heist turned up in Florida revealing to police that she hadn't been kidnapped or killed. She had, in fact, been stressed. Now, this woman, this woman personifies the changing face of motherhood in our generation. Her decision to shed herself of her motherly role to pursue something better in the world has clearly not brought the best out of her ten years. In his famous commentary on American life, French social scientist 
Alexis de Tocqueville wrote these words in 1835, I do not hesitate to avow that although the women of the United States are confined within the narrow circle of domestic life, I have nowhere seen woman occupying a loftier position. And if I were asked to what the singular prosperity and growing strength of the American people ought mainly to be attributed, I would reply to the superiority of their women. Well, I want to get to the Bible. And I want to take you to an unlikely passage for Mother's Day. These are the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the latter part of verse 6 through verse 9. Paul writes, as apostles of Christ, we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Now, in these words, the Apostle Paul uses the picture of a mother, a mother to illustrate how he, as an apostle, related to the infant church in Thessalonica. And in Paul's words, I think we discover the qualities that make for magnificent moms. And I think they're qualities that all of us need to embrace. The first one is gentle strength. It's in verse 7. Paul said, we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. And the language here, when it says caring for, refers to a new mother nursing her tiny infant. So fix that picture in your mind, a new mother nursing her tiny infant. That's strength with gentleness. And strength without gentleness can be pretty dangerous. Have you ever watched a typical new father with a tiny baby? He's all thumbs. I remember the first time I changed a diaper for our firstborn. She was just a few days old. These were in the days before pampers and sticky tabs. I had to put a diaper on her with a real cotton cloth diaper and safety pins, and it's harder than it looks, and it's a lot more dangerous than you think. And the hardest part was getting that thing tight enough that it wouldn't fall off her and nothing would fall out of it, and loose enough <laughs> that she wouldn't turn blue. Now gentleness. Gentleness does not mean weakness. You try to get between a mother and her child. You threaten her child, and you'll quickly learn what strength is all about. Adult children remember the toughness behind mom's tenderness. Look at this man's reflections on what my mother taught me. What my mother taught me about a job well done. If you're going to kill each other, do it outside. What my mother taught me about religion, you better pray that will come out of the carpet. About time travel, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. What my mother taught me about logic, because I said so, that's why. (laughs) 
about foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. What my mother taught me about irony, just keep laughing and I'll give you something to cry about. What my mother taught me about osmosis, shut your mouth and eat your supper. What my mother taught me about accomplishing the impossible, just look at that dirt behind your ears. About the weather, it looks like a tornado swept through your room. About the circle of life, mother said, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. <laughs> There's more. <laughs> What my mother taught me about behavior modification, stop acting like your father. <laughs> what my mother taught me about humor, when, not, when that lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. <laughs> what my mother taught me about justice, one day you'll have kids, I hope they turn out just like you. <laughs> yeah. Former First Lady Laura Bush tells about an overnight visit with her husband in the home of George Sr. And, uh, and Barbara Bush. And Laura said that George W. woke up at 6 o'clock one morning, went down for a cup of coffee, got his coffee, went and sat down on the sofa between his parents and put his feet up on a coffee table. All of a sudden, Barbara Bush snapped at her son, put your feet down. George Sr. replied, for goodness sakes, Barbara, he's the President of the United States. She replied, I don't care, I don't want his feet on my table. And the President promptly removed his feet and put them flat on the floor. As Laura Bush observes, even Presidents have to listen to their mothers. And so we honor mothers today for their gentle strength. We also honor them for their genuine affection. Look at verse 8 in the text. Paul says, we loved you so much we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. Now, a mother's love is not just emotion. It's action. It's giving. It's serving. It's selfless love that cannot be bought or hired at any price. A school teacher asked a young boy a math question. Suppose your mother baked a pie and there were six of you, your mother, your father, and four children. What percentage of the pie would you get? And a little boy said, one-fifth. The teacher responded, I'm afraid you don't know your fractions. Remember, there are six of you. The little boy said, I know, but you don't know my mom. She would say she didn't want any pie so we could have more. That's genuine affection. And most of us, most of us experience that kind of selfless love from our mothers. And as a church family, we want to return that love to every one of our mothers in worship today with a little help from Amy Young to those who gave birth this year. We celebrate with you to those who lost a child through miscarriage or adoption or a runaway or a death.
we mourn with you. To those who walk the path of infertility, we walk beside you. To those foster moms, mentor moms, spiritual moms, we appreciate you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we rejoice with you. And to those who have disappointments and heartache and distance from your children, we grieve with you. And to those who will have an empty nest in the coming year, we cry and laugh with you. And to those who are pregnant with new life, we anticipate with you and to all our mothers, we thank God for you. And finally, we honor our mothers today for their generous sacrifice. Look at verse 9. Surely you remember our toil and hardship. Doesn't that sound like a mother? We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. By the time a child graduates from high school, a mother has had to devote about 18,000 hours to him or to her. Experts estimate that women without children have an extra three months a year of leisure time. An elementary science class had been studying the magnet, and a question on the unit test was worded this way. What has six letters starts with M and picks things up? And over half the children wrote, mother. <laughs> Many of you moms know about this. Many of you work at jobs outside the home, and you come home at the end of a busy day drained and tired, but you still clean and cook, and you do homework and wash and generally care for your family. And some of you are blessed with a thoughtful husband who helps carry a big share of the load. Others of you are married to a Neanderthal. <laughs> and others of you carry the load of raising your children alone as a single mom. I want you to know I think you're superhuman. And I, for one, am in awe of you. And I want you to meet one of these amazing mothers from our church body. This is Margaret Seibert. Some of you know Margaret. She has adopted seven children. And here you have her family on the left in 2008 when we had our church directory picture taken. And here they are in 2013. Margaret is a lovely single lady who gets a lot of help, by the way, from her own mother. And these kids are some of the most polite, mature, and respectful kids in our church. And I am truly amazed by this special family. I loved reading Margaret's testimony about mothering these seven children. Listen to her words. I've only been on an adoption list once in my life. After that, they just started coming. I prayed before each adoption and when I got my answer, I adopted the next and the next and the next. The kids were difficult to place because of physical or emotional or behavioral issues, and we still sometimes struggle. But they are my family. Significant answers to specific prayers is what keeps me going. 
a single mom of seven, I'm stretched thin financially and physically and emotionally, but so, so blessed and so, so, all in caps, so, so blessed that God can use my life, my one life, for His glory. And I know this morning I'm speaking to some moms and dads that have a heart and maybe even have a calling from the Lord to become adoptive parents. I want to commend you. I want to charge you to follow through. You can be the answer to the deep prayers of a child without a family. Well, friends, the sacrifices of your mother or the mother of your children should not go unrecognized today. And at the same time, I know that guys sometimes have a hard time knowing what to do on Mother's Day. I heard about three sons who were grown up and out on their own, and they had all three done quite well. They had plenty of money, so they each decided to give their mother something special for Mother's Day. When the brothers got together, they discussed the gifts that they were going to give their mother, and the first said, I built a new condominium for our mother. It cost me $175,000. The second said, that's nothing. I leased a brand-new Mercedes-Benz limo and hired a driver for her. I'm paying $40,000 a year for the next five years. The third smiled. I've got you both beat. You know how mom enjoys the Bible. And since she can't see too well, I sent her a parrot that can recite the entire Bible. It took 20 monks in a monastery 12 years to teach the parrot. In order to get the parrot, I had to pledge $100,000 a year for 10 years to charity. Well, a few weeks later, the mom sent thank you notes to each of her sons. Malcolm, she wrote the first son, this place you had built for me is so big, I only live in one room, but I have to clean the whole house. Marvin, she wrote the second son, I'm too old to get out much. I stay at home all the time. I don't use the car. Besides, the driver is rude. Dearest Melvin, she wrote her third son, you were the only son with the sense to know what I really like. The chicken was delicious. It's a million-dollar chicken. <laughs> Billy Graham says his favorite Mother's Day story is about a husband who was not very attentive to his wife, and Mother's Day rolled around, and he started feeling guilty. He usually never bought his wife anything for Mother's Day. After all, he argued, she's not my mother. Man, if you've used that line, I have two words for you this morning. Flawed reasoning. Well, this particular year, he decided to make Mother's Day special, so on his way home from work, he stopped and bought her an expensive box of chocolates and some flowers, and he wrote out a heartfelt note to go with it. And when he arrived home, he walked up to the door and stood on the porch and rang the doorbell. His wife opened the door, and he stood there on the step, candy in one hand, flowers in the other hand, and he started crooning, I love you truly, truly dear. Instantly, she, she burst into tears, deep, racking sobs. Oh, Henry, 
This is the worst day of my life. The dishwasher quit. The toilet backed up. The kids have been fussing all day. The house is a wreck. And now you come home drunk. Well, as I close today, I, I truly want to extend a word of grace. Mother's Day, Mother's Day is not pleasant for everyone. We have some in our church who have lost their mother in the past year. We have some in our church who are in the process of losing their mother. And so for you, today is a tough day. It can stir up feelings of loss and grief. And I want to say to you, our God is called a God of all comfort, and if you draw near to Him, He has promised He will draw near to you. And for some, Mother's Day brings unhappy memories. I know that. Not all of you had thoughtful, giving, selfless mothers. So you may have dark emotions on days like this. If that's the case, I am truly sorry. If this has been your lot, I do encourage you to give better than you got. Reach out with compassion to someone else who needs the understanding and the wisdom that you've acquired because of the grace of God. And realize that the Lord alone can empower you to forgive, and He can heal your emotional wounds from the inside out. Or maybe you've come to church this morning with regrets about the job you did or the job you're doing as a mother. I think mothers can be especially self-critical. Having high expectations, that's a good thing. But perfectionism and motherhood, <laughs> they just won't fly. So if you're feeling guilty today about anything, remember this. Your Heavenly Father has gone to a lot of trouble to take away your feelings of failure and shame. He made you. He loves you. He understands. He wants to forgive. He wants you to have His peace. Your Father in heaven is ready to release you from guilt, to cleanse you from sin, to make His home in you and in your home. And that's what the cross of Jesus Christ is all about. Are you ready to become one with Him by believing in Jesus, by turning away from this perishable world, toward Jesus, by confessing your faith in Jesus, by being baptized into Jesus, by being added to His church? If so, please come. We'll meet you right here at the front as we stand and worship.